You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. To help make sense of these topics, we sit down with thought leaders and do what we do best at the conference board, provide trusted insights for what's ahead. I'm Steve Odlin, the CEO of the conference board and the host of this series. And in today's program, we're going to have a wide-ranging conversation on the role of the corporate board. How has it changed over time? What's the difference between public and private boards? What does a dysfunctional board look like? And what can be what can be done to fix some of those issues? So Joining me today is Constantine Alexandrakis, the CEO of Russell Reynolds and an expert in all things boards of directors. Constantine, welcome. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. So, Constantine, you obviously serve on your own company's board of directors, but you have been advising boards for as long as I can remember because you've advised me and my companies and uh, everybody I know. Talk about um, you know, what your experience has been generally in this area. So it, it, it's there are a number of components of the the work I've done, um, not as a board board member, but as a as a as a member of Russell Reynolds' board and CEO team. We we help companies and organizations recruit board members. We help them evaluate the effectiveness of their boards. We help them think about long term CEO succession planning at the CEO level, and kind of everything in between. As you know, Steve. Every organization is different. And even though we do those things for organizations around the world, each time we do them, there's a, there's a slightly different problem you're trying to solve or type of issue that you're trying to address. Yeah. Now, you know, some people, everybody knows what a board of director is, but, you know, people may not understand what the legal duties or exact duties of a board. Can you just kind of highlight for us, for our listeners, what the, what are the specific duties of a board of directors? So in the United States, there are certain fiduciary duties involved with the board of directors, depending on the, where the, the state that they're incorporated. And they, there, there are some variations between the states. But overall, the fiduciary duty of a board of directors is to um, oversee the financials and endorse the, the submissions of the company uh, about its performance. And uh, in doing so, the board has a duty to shareholders to ensure that um, the company and management are delivering on um, building shareholder value and doing so in an honest and ethical way. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but it's, there, are, there are a number of, of laws and, and compliance norms behind that that support what I just described. Yeah, and people t- typically talk about them in, in terms of the duties, the duty of care, loyalty, and good faith. And it, it, it the reason I start with that is because it, it's just so important that people understand what underpins everything that goes on in a boardroom. And this is how board members think and engage with management teams and all the multi-stakeholders, right? Absolutely. And the the thing about it is that, is that and I know we'll get into this, that those those duties are real. Those duties are taken seriously by shareholders, by institutional investors, by board members themselves. And 
that's part of the reason why there's there's also insurance that supports uh, board members in their roles um, to ensure that uh, when things go wrong, there's insurance to support any any miscues that may have occurred in that in that relationship. Yeah, you know, you know when when we started in our career, the thing that you know, if you talked to a board and you said, you know, what you know, what do you focus on? They would say, well, we're focused on producing shareholder value, and that's. But the whole world has changed, and the, and the boardroom is no exception. There's we're living in a multi-stakeholder world of customers, employees, owners, community, and the board of directors' duties have to align to all those stakeholders, right? They do increasingly so. You're right. It was uh, a couple of decades ago. There was there was more of a single focus on shareholder value, and now as as the world has become more complicated, as the demands from institutional investors and other shareholders have become more complicated, there's a multi-stakeholder view in how the board needs to operate, and that certainly increases the pressure on board members to deliver in new and different ways. Yeah. And I, it, it also, you know, if you, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I, I watched some movie and I saw, so I know what a board of director does. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that's got a, a you know, an accurate depiction of anything I've seen in the boardroom. But, you know, there there is this whole notion that the board used to be, you know, a bunch of buddies sitting around and, and so forth. That, that world's, you know, that's ancient history. Talk about what the boardroom of today looks like. Well, and Steve, as you know, to the degree to which that mythology about how it used to be is accurate, there, there's, it's, a, it's not completely truth, right? But today, I mean, boards are have a sense of obligation to all the stakeholders we just talked about. There's, um, there's serious work to do around issues not only related to strategy and the finances of the organization, but related to sustainability, related to succession, both at the CEO level and at management levels. Um, so boards have become much more working groups in many ways, but still uh, very much focused on governance rather than operations. And that line, the movement of that line has not changed, although at times it, it becomes a little nebulous. Yeah. And I think, you know, whereas maybe in the past they tended to be people who were local to the company headquarters and known to the management team, it it changed dramatically to the point where, you know, it was more less so friends of the CEO and more into what I would call the compliance era where, you know, the the CEO didn't know any of the board members and so forth. I, it seems like things are shifting back a little bit, but but talk about the independence of the board director today and um, and their role with the CEO. So independence is a critical element of governance today. And institutional investors are really taking a critical eye to make sure that boards are acting in the best interest of shareholders, versus cozying up too much to the to the CEO. And that objectivity around where is the company going, around what are the challenges and opportunities, that's something that's increasingly demanded of board members. And it's facilitated by what you just described, Steve, which is having board members who aren't necessarily familiar with the CEO or aren't familiar with one another, who bring diverse perspectives, diverse experiences from different parts of the country, sometimes different parts of the world, to the table in order to ensure the company is on the right path. 
Yeah, and these are the, the referred to as the independent or outside board members, and they really are uh, independent. You know, they're not beholden to the management team or um, or vice versa. So it gives a level of oversight that is, you know, that is truly high quality for all the stakeholders. Yes, but independence should not mean conflict or opposition, right? So it's independence from a constructive, objective business experience perspective, which should be complementary and additive to what management is trying to accomplish. Well, and that's why you, you use the term working group, which I really like because it, there has to be collegiality in the board and there's got to be all the, the independent points of view. But at the end of the day, you can't have multiple strategies to run a company. The management and the board needs to be aligned around a, a, you know, a certain strategy and you can only execute in one direction. That's Exactly correct. And it's it's surprising to us sometimes. It's always wonderful to be in a boardroom and to hear perfect alignment between the board and the, the management team on the company strategy. And they're all using the same language and the, the same vision. And, and there's there's really good collaboration on that. There are instances though, Steve, no surprise to you, I'm sure that we go in and, and we're helping boards evaluate themselves or think about the future. And there's a gap between what the board thinks the strategy is and what management thinks the strategy is, or there's a gap in understanding or articulation of it. And that's a red flag. Yeah. And so then what do you do? We help the board and the management team kind of articulate that gap and facilitate a conversation around how to close it. Some uh, Very often, part of the problem is, Steve, that the gap hasn't been diagnosed. So diagnosing is half of the solution for sure. Yeah, they're just not aware sometimes that uh, that there isn't complete either understanding or alignment. So the facilitation from the outside becomes a really important piece of that, a great dynamic. Completely agree. Yeah. If you're thinking about a board today, I mean, you're in a lot of boardrooms. What does the ideal board look like? I mean, you know, you can talk, you can talk about in terms of characteristics from an independence perspective, skill sets, diversity. How would you articulate it? I think the the ideal board is comprised of senior business leaders who have a a broad strategic perspective that's relevant to the organization's business and and success going forward. So what does that mean? That means that uh, it's not a collection of specialists. So the tech person, the supply chain person, uh, the finance person, it's a collection of leaders who've had broad experiences who bring a broad strategic perspective to the table. Uh, but it's also ones who bring very diverse perspectives. And by diverse, I don't just mean what the person looks like, what their gender is, what their ethnicity is. That's all very important. But it's also having experienced different challenges in their own careers, in their own businesses, having had different exposure to different customer groups, stakeholder groups, um, having led transformative efforts in different ways and faced different challenges in doing so, that sort of diversity of, of experience and perspective is critical to a successful board. In fact, there are statistics out there that show that the more diverse and varied a board is, uh, the more additive it is to shareholder value over the long term. You know, it's really interesting to hear you you talk about the the various functions. For a while, it was very popular to say, "Oh, we need a, a director in here who's an expert at IT because we're worried about cybersecurity and everything else." 
But, you know, the problem with that is that then the board starts or that individual is expected to sort of start leading, leaning into what management should be doing. And I think most boards have now kind of come back to what you have described, which is everybody needs to be a generalist here, not try to run parts of the company. You're exactly right, Steve. There, there was a movement, especially after some of the big cyber attacks of uh, five years ago that, well, every company needs a cyber person on their board. Uh, the problem with that is it's very often the case that if a person like that goes on the board, they will be unlikely to comment or contribute to other elements uh, if they're not broader. That's one piece of it. And the other piece of it is a board can always hire uh, a cyber consultant or a compliance consultant or um, uh, somebody who can bring in the expertise they need uh, at, a, at a narrower level whenever they need it. You know, the, the other uh, thing that you do a lot of is, you know, we've talked about public company boards, but uh, you're, you're in a, a lot of private companies. And in, in the past, private companies have, because they're private, they're owned by an individual or um, you know, a family, uh, they, they typically have not had the same kind of board representation, but that's changing, isn't it? It is. It really is. If you look over the last 10, 15 years, Steve, private company boards are starting to look um, or starting to adapt many of the elements of public company boards because it makes good business sense to do so, um, to have that objective uh, outside expertise that can help you um, achieve your goals faster. Uh, but there, there are still differences uh, between public and private company boards. Private company boards uh, tend to be a little more informal. Uh, they tend to sometimes meet more often and be more hands-on um, and, and get pulled into um, things that may they may not necessarily get pulled into in a public company board. Um, there's also, as you referenced, a, a dynamic there around who the owners are, is there family involved, there's a private equity. Uh, obviously, those individuals will often have an outsized point of view on how things need to happen. And a board member in a private organization needs to adapt his or her contributions to, to be complementary to that. We're talking about the role of the board of directors of corporations. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. As you and your company monitor the volatile and uncertain economy, the award-winning forecast team at the Conference Board predicts a downturn by the end of 2022. Recession will further compound the crises that have recently upended expectations, from a deadly pandemic to a war in Ukraine and the highest inflation in decades. Yet, unprecedented crises also present unforeseen opportunities if you have a trusted, proven navigator by your side. With that in mind, and as the Conference Board has always done, we are providing you with daily, timely, and relevant content that will guide the business community through the economic storm. These trusted insights are being gathered on our website and are available to help your company master the challenges. To find out how you can chart a course for the future which will allow your business to emerge stronger on the other side, visit our free economic hub entitled Navigating the Economic Storm, Your Indispensable Guide Through the Global Recession located at conference-board.org slash topics slash recession. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin, the CEO of the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Constantine Alexandrakis, the CEO of Russell Reynolds Associates. So 
Constantine, before the break, we were talking about how boards and management teams have to work together in a collegial fashion. They've got to be one team to uh, lead the company. So how do you, how does a board and a management team act with their, you know, bring their independence, bring their different experiences and point of views? How do they engage? You know, how does that, what what do those dynamics look like so that you can then uh, align around a, a certain strategy? So the engagement starts with a, a structured set of meetings that occur each year. There, there are a, a agendas, you know, you might have your, your uh, one meeting might be annually devoted to uh, strategy topics. One meeting may be devoted to uh, people topics. One meeting may be devoted to uh, international operations, whatever it is, whatever the specifics are of that company. Every, there's a common thread through that of in every conversation, there are financial reports, detailed drill downs on that, and other basic compliance and um, governance functioning uh, activities that, that take place in that. So that, that creates a framework, Steve, for the interactions that occur on an annual cycle. Within that framework, management is building, helping the board build an understanding of the business opportunities and challenges, uh, cultivating a conversation in those meetings around those pieces. And between those formal meetings, the CEO will interact with board members to get their input on certain things that are happening along the way. Um, often management team, the CEO will, will ask the board member to interact with um, different elements of the management team. They might ask them to have conversations with investors. All of that depends on the, the company and the, the flow of their annual cycle. But uh, I would summarize it by saying there are formal interactions in meetings, and then there are informal interactions between that help bring the board's expertise into uh, the company. Okay, so let's let let's take uh, a bit of conflict then. You know, l- let's just say you have a board. You know, let's just say I'm a, a director of a board, and you know, I'm seeing what the management is recommending from a strategic perspective, but but I don't completely agree. How do you advise me to engage? What should I do? Because I don't want to be disruptive. You know, I, I don't want to you know embarrass anyone, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, what's the best way for boards? to interact uh, when they disagree? The board members are there to give their point of view. So it's important that their voice is heard and that when they disagree on something, that they communicate that. But it has to be in a constructive and additive way, just like in any business setting. The, the best board members that we've observed are the ones who communicate their perspective through asking questions and through trying to understand the different drivers and levers in a situation before declaring that they disagree about something. Um, Because often by asking questions, your disagreement might get addressed or you might be able to strengthen your disagreement and, and provide better context with it. So it's I would not advise a board member to ever hold back their point of view, but I would advise a board member to provide it in a constructive way that is additive to the the process that the board is undertaking. Yeah, and these you know these management teams do this all day, every day, seven days a week. I mean, this this is what they do, and and so 
you know, if they're coming up with something, you know, typically there's more behind it than you can, you know, you can put on a slide, a PowerPoint slide. So, you know, it's tip, it, a lot of times it's just trying to understand why, what else did you look at? What were the pros and cons? And, you know, it's learning how they th- thought about it. And, and, you know, oftentimes boards go, aha, now I get it. Now I know why they ended up here. It makes more sense rather than just saying, oh, you're wrong or you shouldn't be doing it that way. Right. Right. But even there, Steve, they, they, they might have some ahas, but they still might disagree. And um, that's, that's important uh, to still resolve amongst that group, whether it happens in the meeting or it happens offline, because at the end of the day, going back to what we said earlier, you do want the board and the leadership of the company unified in their view of where the company is heading. So, disagreements should not be swept under the the carpet. And one of the the worst things we see in boards is this tendency towards groupthink, which which would would fly in the face of what I just described. Yeah. Now, you know, um, you talked earlier about dysfunction that you've seen uh, among boards. And uh, obviously you, you are, this is your business. I mean, you're called in to help work through that, you're an expert at it. So one thing is you could say, well, if you have any dysfunction on your board, call Constantine. But talk about some of the uh, the dysfunction that you've seen and and uh, what does it look like and you know how do you work through it? It probably falls in, in two or three categories, Steve. One category is an individual board member or more than one individual board member is more about themselves than the, the, the company and, and the board's success. And that may not be consistent for an individual, but there may be moments where they start to put themselves in front of it, whether it's about their role on the board or whether they, their, their tenure on the board should be extended uh, or whether a particular action being taken by the company uh, divert, diverges from their individual point of view, um, but not from the, the grand point of view of the organization. So that's, that's probably category number one, an individual kind of putting themselves first when they need to be thinking about the whole. Um, the second category would be when divisions happen within the board and clicks happen. It could be clicks around a certain issue, or it could be clicks around a new a new set of directors versus a more um, a tenured set of directors. That's also a breakdown that is, is not constructive to the board's role and what the board needs to be uh, helping the company achieve. So those are probably two sources of dysfunction that we see on occasion. The third one would be what we referenced earlier around communication and the board's view of the strategy either being different from what leadership thinks or then they're not having a clear view of strategy. Uh, That's a problem. So, you know, there's a unique player typically uh, in the mix here on boards, and it's it's usually an independent chair or a, a, a lead director who is an independent director. Talk about the role of that individual as it relates to these dynamics. That individual is kind of like uh, the the umpire, right? So that individual is is supposed to really ensure that the board's agenda is the right agenda, is closely aligned with what management needs, uh, that when the board is uh, together, it is it is communicating clearly that board members are um, 
uh, doing their homework, coming into the room and contributing actively and in a, in a value-added way. So it's, it's, it's a role that's really important in ensuring that the, the board dynamics are running smoothly. It also includes a lot of offline conversations. If someone is having issues with a colleague or is not necessarily pulling their weight um, as a board member, that chairperson or that lead director needs to, to work with that person to, to help resolve the issue. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a facilitator or a coaching role where, you know, you've got to make sure that all of the players are um, are being productive and, and interacting in the right way and and being willing to go offline and and give feedback, uh, positive and, con- you know, constructive feedback. It's it's all of that. But that that can often deal with some of these stressful or situations or a dysfunctional situation, um, you know, with a with a respected independent chair lead director? Uh, yes, the, the best chairpersons are the ones who really bring a sense of ownership and accountability and order uh, and a really transparent communication within, among the board and between the board and the organization's leadership. Yeah, they're almost like diplomats. You know, you think of them like ambassadors and Typically, these people are elected or selected as, you know, as this role from the board. But you have to make that shift then, you know, a lead director or an independent director needs to make that shift from I'm just one of the group to now I really have to be thinking about making sure that this group interacts and and is, is very productive. Yes. And the best chairperson, Steve, are the ones where the board members are grateful for the role that the person plays and the CEO is grateful for the role the person plays. And there are many examples of of both of those parties um, really being uh, respectful and appreciating what a good chairperson does. And it's, it's always great to hear those. You know, how can how can um, people, uh, stakeholders from the outside, like investors or community, how, how can they from the outside determine whether a company's management and board relationship is 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 very functional? Steve, that's that's a really tough question. To be perfectly honest, A, I don't know that they accurately can, and B, I don't know that they should really be worrying about that at that granular level. At the end of the day, investors and other outsiders need to be uh, worrying about the company's performance, the company delivering on its obligations to its communities, to its stakeholders, and ultimately delivering value and in a, in a high integrity way to the groups that it serves. In order to, to, to do a deep dive on whether management and the board are really working well together. If if company performance or other things don't look right with um, the company, that's probably the moment to to try to understand if if the board and management teams are themselves organized in the right way, contain the right people, um, and whether there's their issues blocking effective leadership on either side. Yeah, and you see a lot of activism, or you know, activist shareholders or activist groups coming and either attacking or or trying to engage 
you know, it's not always an attack. There's oftentimes a, you know, an attempt to productively engage. But this is where activism starts, I guess, isn't it, Constantine? You know, with some sort of a view that there's that there's some disconnect going on. Absolutely, that's exactly right. So if there is uh, uh, an issue. That's the the classic role of the activist is to come in and try to identify it and unearth it. Now, it may not have anything to do with the disconnect between the board and management. It could have to do with where investments are taking place or uh, the strategy itself. But uh, that's that's where activists spend their time. And in, in many cases, they've constructively raised issues that otherwise would not have been raised. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for boards themselves, as well as the management teams, to engage with outside investors and interested parties because they need to demonstrate, um, you know, how they're working and why they're working, and have that conversation so that you know, so that they don't attract um, activism, right? Well, and Steve, some of the best boards, uh, best functioning boards that I've seen, like to think of themselves as wearing the activist hat at all times, so that. They're working with management to really drive the business forward constructively, and that in turn decreases the need for uh, an actual activist to appear because they're thinking like the activists at all times. That's great words of advice. Constantine, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in economics, geopolitics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family. I know they're gonna wanna listen. I'm Steve Odlin, and this podcast has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You've been listening to a podcast from the Conference Board, the indispensable ally that has helped businesses through war, recession, and economic transformation for over 100 years. As recent unexpected economic challenges persist, you can chart a course for the future, which will allow your business to emerge stronger on the other side. Just visit our free economic hub entitled Navigating the Economic Storm, your indispensable guide through the global recession, located at www.conference-board.org slash topics slash recession.